looking back at the best of Saturday racing from around the country and examining the major talking points of the day. This is Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, taking racing ownership to the next level. Good morning, everyone. Thanks for your company on November 19 for another edition of Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing. Don't forget the website, archerparkracing.com.au. Importantly, too, because yearling sales aren't too far away. In fact, the Magic Millions sales coming up in a couple of months. You might like to buy a horse, big share, small share, whatever you want to do. Give the Archer Park team uh, a call or, or go to the, the website, archerparkracing.com.au. Well, an interesting day of racing yesterday. We had the last group ones of the Melbourne Spring Carnival, the Caulfield, uh, in a new um, uh, role or in a new uh, time slot, Sarupa Clark and the Thousand Guineas. We'll go to the Caulfield meeting very shortly. Metropolitan Racing wasn't actually in the metropolitan area in New South Wales. It was in the Hunter Valley for the Hunter at Newcastle. And, of course, the Summer Carnival kicked off Metropolitan Racing at the Sunshine Coast yesterday, where Ben Dorries was, I'm sure. Good morning. Yeah, I was there. Uh, had a bit of something for everyone yesterday, didn't it? The Damien Oliver farewell tour continued in Melbourne. Unfortunately, Ollie didn't ride a winner, and especially unfortunate for those on track at Caulfield because the MRC... Uh, were shouting the bar. There was beers all around if he did ride a winner. So he felt like he let the team down a little bit there, Ollie. But he moves on to Perth uh, now for his farewell. And look, just off the top of the show, one from completely left field from me, David. Just want to give a shout-out to Tyler Leslight, who I've had a bit to do with, young uh, apprentice jockey who uh, was based up there in Moran Bar. Um, you know, he's now doing some work with Desley Forster. He initially made news, I guess, national news for being Australia's first transgender jockey. Now he's making news simply as a jockey, which is terrific. Won the Roma Cup yesterday, a real career highlight for the young fella. So good on you, Tyler. Yeah, exactly right. Um, I echo those thoughts. It was a big day at Roma. Always is Cup Day uh, yesterday afternoon. I think uh, I heard yesterday them say that Peter Flynn, a man who I met a few years ago, the, the resident race caller there, was calling his 49th Roma Cup yesterday. I wonder if I'll get to 49 Stradbrokes. Mm, I had an experience at the Roma Cup a few years ago. I flew out on one of those little planes that, you know, that fall out of the sky like darts. Yeah. Brett Cook was on it, and a few blokes, they were all drunk at the end of the day, and I, it was like a party bus flying back. It was not much chop. I got invited back. I thought, I'm not going on this plane again. I reckon one of our guests this morning was on that plane too. Which one? Well... Oh, Neville Bell? <laughs> he was. He, he, he was He was closing his ears at the back of the plane to some of the stuff that was he, going on at the front. He wasn't one of the drunk ones. <laughs> anyway, look, plenty, plenty to talk about, plenty to discuss, plenty to listen to. So, as we said, thanks for your company. So let's go to Caulfield, and we'll go to the Sir Rupert Clark. Uh, a great race, big field, wide betting. In the end, though, magic time. This very good mare was the favourite at $4.80. Here's Matt Hill's broadcast. It's been frantic. Buffalo River on the outside of General Bow. A length and a quarter, I am me. Two lengths, Chain of Lightning. A length away, Rota Arataki. Then came cause for concern. Magic Time sliding up three and four deep. Six off the lead from Valana Bandersnatch. Then came the Inferno. Well back, Ayrton Straight. Asa Skewiff, Crosshaven, Munamek and Zutori. General Bow, Buffalo River with I am me, who strides up on the outside at the 250. Rota Arataki is running on. Magic Time the outside then cause for concern. I am me at the 150, a length in front. Magic Time is digging in now under hands and heels. Takes the lead, skew if late, but it's Magic Time coming clear, a class act. Magic Time won it. I am me second, straight acer up for third from Bandersnatch and skew if. Then Ayrton, next to complete the course was Valana, wrote to Arataki, cause for concern. Muramek and General Bowen, Crosshaven, well back the Inferno, Zutori, Buffalo River and a long last chain of lightning. Yes, as I said, uh, Magic Time, uh, she's not, not only a very good mare, she's a very, very good mare. That was only her eighth start yesterday, her fifth win, and Group 1 now against her name. Very well ridden by Mickey D, and trained by Graham Begg, and Graham's our first guest this morning. Graham, good morning, congratulations. Yeah, good morning. Just on the uh, movement of the Sir Rupert Clark from where it used to be in September to now where it was yesterday, was this always the plan to aim for this race with her? Oh, look, it was certainly always there as an option. Uh, we, you know, campaigned uh, early in, or earlier uh, in Sydney. Um, and, you know, we had an opportunity to leave her in Sydney to run last week in the hot Danish. Uh, but I'd elected to come back here and, and, and have her run it uh, in the Rupert Clark. I just felt that she was going to get in very well at the weights. Mm. And the 1400 was going to be ideal. Um, and also, you know, not going to be all the, and, you know, the real top liners 
in the race, that was a very good opportunity, uh, which it was going to present. With the way that the truck was sort of playing yesterday, Graham, and obviously drawing barrier 13, did you think about changing the game plan at all before the race? Because I imagine it would have been a bit of a concern to you. Oh, look, to be truthful, I don't like changing the, uh, the, the way we ride our horses just to suit the way the track's playing. Obviously, there was a lot of talk about it, and it was very um, visual to the eye that, you know, you had to be up on speed, and it was advantageous to that point. But I think you always, first rule of thumb, ride the race to suit the horse, not to suit the track. So, um, you know, we were pretty... Um, you know, uh, conscious about that fact, and we were sort of very conscious. It's very hard to work up the hill at at Caulfield, uh, particularly from the 14 and the 1600 metre starts, uh, and to be able to finish your race off. So uh, we were pretty, you know, keen on trying to just roll forward a little bit and try to get cover, uh, which he momentarily did. Um, and then, look, he got caught out on a limb, but he just kept in a good rhythm um, and rolled into the race when he wanted to roll into the race. As I said at the start, that was only your eighth start yesterday. You've achieved Group 1 status at start eight. What I like about this mare is her versatility. Just in that eight-start career, we've seen her race on speed. We've seen her come from back in the field. We've seen her handle good tracks and also proficient on rain-affected tracks. And, and distance, you know, we've seen her from 1,200 to 1,400. Where does she actually sit at the moment? Like, like, I'll, put it, I'll put it this way. Where do you look towards next year with this mare? What what levels are you prepared to go to or think you can go to? Well, first of all, she's like the day she won in Sydney on Doncaster Day, it was bottomless. So mm. she certainly handles that, you know, just not soft tracks. Look, I feel that she's a filly um, who does appreciate it a little bit more given the ground. We were a little bit concerned yesterday uh, how the track firmed up. Uh, that's always one concern. Um, so obviously... We'd be pretty conscious of possibly, you know, campaigning her back in Sydney. She's actually owned in Sydney by John and Trish Muir of Milburn Creek Stud. So, um, you know, they'd love to see her race. Um, so we'll certainly be aiming her for the Autumn Carnival in Sydney. Felt like a race like the All Age Stakes would be a very nice race for her. Uh, maybe have a lead-up race into that and possibly head on up to Brisbane because obviously the jewel in the crown is the Tats Tiara. Um, for any, uh, you know, mare, 1,400 Group 1, wait, wait for age for mares. I think that's an ideal race for her. Um, so, you know, we could certainly target that and have a lead-up race into that. Mm. Not that it matters so much anymore, I guess, because you've got a Group 1 under the belt. But the start before in the invitation, do you feel that was the, the one that got away? I mean, she was enormous, obviously, being wide and, and you know, <laughs> wasn't wasn't that far off the winner, was she? No, you know, she ran very bravely in that race. Yes, look, um, it was a bit hard. You know, Tyler Sheila took the reins that day because Nashville Willow was suspended. Um, and, um, you know, putting a, a jock he'd never ridden her before. Um, and it's very hard to explain uh, how to ride the horse. And she drew a tricky gate on that day too. So, you know, she got caught out on a limb. Um, so, yeah. Look, she ran very bravely. Um, we like to keep a race of space. We feel that she's a better horse when she has at least a three-week buffer between runs. If anything, I learnt something uh, earlier in the year when she ran in Sydney when she won the PJ Bell um, on that track at uh, on Doncaster. It was a very heavy track, and it just took a little bit off her. And then she had to butter up sort of two weeks later into the James Carr. Now, the edge was probably off her a little bit, um, so, you know, she's a light frame girl, um, but she does very well in the stable. She's a terrific doer, but we just feel that she's a much better horse when your space runs. Well, the day didn't end there from a success point of view because uh, you and uh, Michael combined to win the last race with Rose Quartz, and no one could deny this mare um, uh, a win. She's been a model of consistency. Yeah, that's right. She's been out of the winner's circle for a little while, but she runs very, very honestly, uh, always gives her best. Um, she's going to go up to um, the Gold Coast for the uh, Magic Millions Day, so she's certainly eligible for a couple of races on that mm. um, program, so we'll have her rented up. Uh, but it was just great to be able to tick that box um, to win a, a group race with her. Her owners have been very patient and loyal, um, So, but she always goes out and gives 110%. She needs firm ground to do her best and just needs the races to be able to work out well for her. But she's certainly... Uh, you know, got good talent. 
good things happen to good people, obviously, Graham, which happened to you yesterday, but you'd, you'd had a bit of bad luck, obviously, in, in the spring, which had been well documented. Luna Flair was obviously a real headline horse for your, for your stable, was heading to the Melbourne Cup. Just give us an insight into how, how sort of gutting that was for you and your stable to, to have her suffer a career-ending injury and, and also just maybe update our listeners on, you know, where, where she is now, what retirement sort of, you know, holds for her, I guess. Yeah, well, currently she's at Coolmore Stud. Um, hopefully, I'm not sure if she's been covered by uh, So You Think. Uh, the owners uh, um, selected him for her first mating. Um, so hopefully she's in foal. I know it was getting on late in the season. Um, so anyway, we whisked her off up to uh, Coolmore uh, within the week after she was retired. And she's up there, so hopefully they get a positive result there. Um, yeah, it was, look... We were really um, very, um, you know, disturbed, I should say, about the way things unfolded. Look, we were very disappointed with the track on the Friday night at Mooney Valley. Um, look, it's well documented. The track is very, very tired. It's going to get ripped up in, you know, I think two years' time um, as anything, nothing lasts forever. It was a Strathair track originally. Well, that's long gone. Um, so the track either goes one way or the other, it gets too firm, um, or when it does get rain on it, it goes to pieces. Um, but, you know, they elected not to put any irrigation on the track for the Friday night meeting, and then they put eight mils of irrigation on the track after the meeting for Cox Plate Day. So, you know, when you're running at quarter past nine at night um, and track was firming up all the time, it was very, very disappointing, and she... Uh, she tore a ligament behind the knee, check ligament, um, which is a very unusual injury. Um, you don't see that very often, but, uh, yeah, so it was very, very disappointing to get so close um, for the second year to a Melbourne Cup, and, uh, yeah, and everything went out the window. But, look, she was a very, very good mare, and, you know, we got a lot of uh, enjoyment out of her and because uh, we got her from another stable um, originally, and she was a very low-graded mare, but to be able to, for her to work her way up, and uh, you know, tick the boxes she did, and she was you know, very, very honest and gave everything. Ben mentioned Luna Flair. Am I right in saying too, Graham? Did you lose Cardinal Gem this year? Unfortunately, he, he's deceased. Um, he had an unfortunate accident in the stable. Um, just a freak thing had happened, and yeah, well, that was you know, a real um, a kick in the guts. That one. Yeah, exactly. Well. Fortunately, things turned around yesterday in no uncertain fashion with Magic Time taking a Group 1. And the world's our oyster, I think, with only that, those eight starts on the board, five wins and already a Group 1 win-up. Thanks for being with us this morning. Pleasure. There he is, Graham Begg, joining us based at Cranbourne. And uh, she's a very good mare, Magic Time, no doubt about it. Yeah, absolutely. I loved her. Um... I doubted her yesterday just from the gate. Uh, the way the track was playing, I couldn't have dived into her. Um, but she was just too good, and sometimes a good horse is just too good. I mean, the, look, I suppose the doubt is, you know, the Rupert Clark, not the strongest sort of mob, I, I wouldn't suggest, for a you know, Group 1 1,400-metre race. Um, but you can only beat what you can beat, and she won by length. Defied the, you know, the way the track was playing, did it from a wide barrier, so that's mm. all you can do. Yeah, all uh, all plaudits with her. I thought Skew Wifstrom was very good as well from the back and wide, which wasn't the place to be either in running or on the track. So I thought she did. Well, I and me had a perfect run, just couldn't quite get that 1,400 metres. And straight Acer has been racing in great form, uh, visiting from Sydney, and he ran well in third. They ran 122.51 for the 1,400 metres, and good to hear that uh, we may see her for the Tatch TR as part of our winter carnival next year. Yeah, it's terrific. I mean, Queensland's it's amazing, isn't it? We're in, what, what is it today? November 19. I mean, summer carnival sort of kicked off yesterday. Uh, we'll be right in the full swing of Magic Millions lead-ups very soon, and then yeah, next year's winter isn't far off either. The other race that was reprogrammed to yesterday was at Group 1 level. It was the 1,000 the guineas. Let's go to the replay, and Coeur Volante was the $3.80 favourite. 600 metres to go. Zorion, the front runner, tried to kick away at that stage by a length and a half. On its back is Jolly Start in Ursa. Kawervalon hooked to the outside. Back behind them, Kamochi, then Enna's Dream Quickster. Skybirds trying to get going from beyond centre field into the straight at the 300 metres. Jolly Star looms up and takes Zorion. Kawervalon up the middle and Skybird out wide is starting to wind up but taking the lead. Jolly Star, 150 metres to go from Kamochi and 
wide also Coerva Lot, the front runner, Jolly Star for James McDonald. Another big one and 2,000 guineas on the bounce. Jolly Star has won it from Kamochi, Skybird, Coerva Lot, and then came out Deeper Arctic Glamour. Back behind them, Vivier and Quickster from Karina Queen, and back behind them, Zorion. Next to finish, Enna's Dream Ursa and Apache Song. Uh, Jolly Star in the right place at the right time. Barrier one, perfect run from uh, given to, by McDonald, and she went on to win for Chris Waller. And as Matt referred to, back to back guineas. Of course, they won with Madame Pomery last year, but uh, she's only lightly raced. She's uh, raced by the Lindsay family of Cambridge stud fame. A filly by Zoo started of Jolly Bay. Jolly Bay herself was a very good mare, and her dam was legally Bay. It was also a very good um, good mare. So there's some good lineage there, but. Yeah, given the perfect run and the best horse on the day. Yeah, I reckon there was two keys to this win. One was obviously the barrier, um, just was absolutely sweet-suiting the whole way. But the second one, it was uh, interesting, wasn't it, to hear Chris Wallace say post-race that he had specifically targeted this race. And that's interesting Mm. because of uh, the change of date, obviously, with this race and where it's scheduled now. So there was a lot of um, conjecture about it. But he said, look, you know, she... He kept this girl away from a lot of the races in Sydney just with this you know, newly programmed race in mind. So when you when you have that, Chris Waller, Barrier 1, James McDonald, you can't go too far wrong. Although I did, I couldn't find it, but anyway. The, we, I think we discussed this in press room last Monday. I was hard against this this shift from um, 1,000 guineas from you know between uh, guineas and, and cup day to to yesterday and also the Cerebra Clark from September. I'm not as hard against it now. I think these races have and panned out well. Yeah. My feelings are, if you're going to have Group 1s after the Melbourne Cup Carnival, make it a blockbuster Group 1. Like, I've got no... We've talked about this before. I've got no dramas with pushing, you know, the good racing further back into November to, to capture some of that time when there's not much other sport on. But I think you've got to make it a real blockbuster Group 1. I don't think either of these two were yesterday. No, um, c- certainly not. Uh, on that line, then... Do you, do you transfer the Cox Plate to the end of November? Well, it's a talking point, isn't it? Yeah, it um, is a talking point. Because, you know, there is... I mean, look, we've got a obviously a World Cup cricket final tonight. Um, that doesn't, you know, that doesn't come around too often, once in a blue moon, that, that sort of thing at this time of year. But uh, there is that dead time for sort of racing to capitalise on, and, and it does fall off the radar pretty quickly, um, you know, after, you know, a cup week. But, of course, we've got... Uh, obviously, uh, the Perth Carnival to look forward to now. James McDonald will be riding Zaki over there, and James McDonald, who rode that uh, winner then, has signed a short-term contract in Hong Kong, which mm. is really fascinating, I think. I, I view this as dipping his toe in the water. I know he's ridden over there before, but this particular contract, I reckon he's dipping his toe in the water to see what he thinks, and if he really likes it and makes some more connections over there, I expect James McDonald to ride over there for good. Um, yeah, maybe not in the near future, but certainly in the next few years. Let's go to our next black tie race. This is the Group 3 Blue Sapphire for the three-year-olds. So Brave Mead being rated here by Mark Zara. Came around the corner at the 400 metres. Still under a hold by about a length and a half to run. Harry Run, Don't Hope Do, Riverina Power. Then came Arkansas Kid down the middle of the track. Brave Mead, Zara goes for the whip at the 200 metres. On the outside, Run Harry Run's got within three quarters of a length. It's Brave Mead a half. Run Harry Run serving it up to Brave Mead and ran on by. Run Harry Run over the top of Brave Mead and one. Run Harry Run from Brave Mead, Arkansas Kid, Riverina Power, then Sunset Dreaming next to finish Treasure Way, Eugenius Don't Hope Do, towards the back, the instructor and Snapback both horses disappointing Not only taking the Blue Sapphire but earns the uh, title of the best named horse of the day, Run Harry Run, out of a mare maybe Markle. Oh, the best named horse of the day, try the best named horse in the world, that that is a sensational name, Run Harry Run away from Megan Markle, don't you just love that, Uh, the the effort that's gone into the naming of that horse is superb and I was happy to see it win just because of the name to be honest. Yes and uh, a good win too and a horse, uh, a promising type only its fourth career start and that fellow wins at Kilmore and Bendigo. Let's go to the race before that, the Village Stakes and Hypothetical was the favourite. 
Hypothetical around the turn at the 300 metres. A length semi on for Pseudo behind those horses. Outlaw's Revenge has been pulled up out of the race, by the way. Hypothetical 200 metres to go in front. A length and a half to semi on for Pseudo. Rattle and bang. Zach Boss can't get a run. Stripper late down the outside. Hypothetical, though, clear. And it's hypothetical. Nothing made up here. Hypothetical won it well from a photo. Curran or Stripper. And then in between horses prowling. Zach Boss luckless. Then semi on. Extremely lucky next from Rattle and Bang for Pseudo Indian Pacific. And Outlaw's Revenge has been pulled up and uh, has been uh, walked past the 250. Another win for Michael D. Anthony and Sam Friedman from Melbourne Cup fame. Put the polish on hypothetical. She's a good competitive mare. That was her sixth career win, but she's been placed on seven other occasions. So she's rarely out of the money and conditions made to suit the go forward horse yesterday with a good gauge. She raced on speed and was too good for them. Let's continue our look back at racing at Caulfield yesterday and have a listen to the Country Cup. They run by the 650. Convener the inside. Well back in the field is Harmissian, Captain Envious, Vidani and Deep Strike. Suzuro being rated in front of Star Spangled Baby Claymore. Red Sun Sensation in the yellow jacket. Just needs some luck now. Mac 2 presents towards the middle of the course and then came Braden Star under pressure. Banker's Choice and Captain Envious. Claymore moves up on the outside. Wants to lug in with Red Sun Sensation. They go together followed by Mac 2 but the 100. It's Claymore just in front of Red Sun Sensation. Claymore surges a half length in front and Claymore wins it. Claymore from Red Sun Sensation. Captain Envious third from Grand Piero. Then Mac Tubin, Banker's Choice. Another one like, uh, like Hypothetical rarely runs a bad race. Claymore, nine wins on the board now from 23 starts with Carleen Heffel riding. Let's go to the How Now, the last race. And here's Graham Beek's second winner for the day in Rose Quartz. 500 metres to go, it's Rose Quartz by a half length as she dances getting a little bit closer before the corner Queen of the Ball is tracking her a length and a half away and then came Holly Lolly getting off the fence, behind them Lady Die Die Fortunate Kiss and Gennady she dances moving up on the outside of Rose Quartz as they reach the 200 metres and they skip away from a wall of horses headed by Gennady it's Rose Quartz just in front of she dances peppering away but Rose Quartz's game at the 100 metres Gennady's jumping out of the ground Rose Quartz in front though and will win. Rose Quartz has just beaten Gennady. She dances. Then came unusual culture. Behind those horses then was Queen of the Ball. Damien Oliver, we salute you. Then came Holly Lolly, Lady Die Die and Fortunate Kiss at the tail of the field. It's Michael D again. He's won four in a group one. He certainly has and of course Graham Big training and we will see Rose Quartz during the Magic Millions Carnival. She's, she's rising seven but that was only her 18th start yesterday and like uh, Claymore and like Hypothetical, a mare who rarely runs a bad race. Our last replay from uh, Caulfield yesterday is the Thoroughbred Club Stakes and this presented a very, very close finish. Spirit, they come around the corner and it's Brazen Style, the leader, kicked into gear about a length and a half in front of Miraval Rose Diamond Decorator, Saltaire still trying to come on and behind those horses commemorative, it's Brazen Style at the 200 metres, led by a length of Miraval Rose, who's chipping away, Brazen Style, three quarters a half, Miraval Rose, who's going to have a real go on the line, and it's a photo finish, photo, Miraval Rose, Brazen Style, nearly a dead heat Saltaire third, followed by commemorative, then Lover Zoo Diamond decorator and behind the miracle dreams just brazen style getting up at big odds and just lasting uh, the judges took some time to sort the finish out that's how close it was just beating miraval rose who would have won in one more stride and given graham Beg a treble for the day but it wasn't to beat they were the highlights from caulfield yesterday of course highlighted by the cerebrate clark of the thousand guineas let's turn our attention now to newcastle their big meeting of course with the hunter the million dollar hunter being the feature race we'll go to that replay first Three lengths away was Marzu. He's coiled up on the inside, waiting to present it. The inside of Dajran, then King of Sparta, Gravina. Opal Ridge is wide as they turn the bend. Cold Crush is trying to gallop them into the ground. He led by two on Military Expert. Marzu given full ball, trying to pick up. Further back was Opal Ridge, and King of Sparta gets up the inside. But Cold Crusher is running an almighty race in the lead. He's three, four lengths in front. Marzu trying hard. King 
of Sparta late. A hundred metres to go, though. Cold Crusher is still the leader. What a performance. Cold Crusher has run them off the legs and won the Newcastle Herald Hunter. Has beaten King of Sparta. Photo for third between Marzu and Rocketing Boy, who run a cheeky race. Then military expert further back was Rustic Steel with Gravina. Next in the run, Cinewan, Daj Run. Excellent proposal on Opal Ridge. Cold Crusher. Yeah, he certainly was at the Crusher yesterday. Cole Crusher, first out and first home. Joe Pride joins us now, the winning trainer. Joe, good morning. Hey, good morning. Um, I often say in, in race broadcasts, can he burn the candle at both ends? Well, Cole Crusher certainly did that, and I think broke the track record as well. Yeah, he did, yeah. He went um, <clears throat> you know, fully fit yesterday, and, and the blinker's back on. And um, sort of, I just hold them back with him for a couple of runs because he's... Um, I think if you sort of put them on in the first couple of runs of his prep, he, he might flatten, uh, flatten himself, and you know, just have to give him, give himself too tough a run. I mean, he's competitive without them, but clearly they add another dimension to him. But you've got to have him very fit to do that. Watching the race, Joe, were you worried he he had gone too hard? Like you know, just just visually. Yeah, yeah. Look, I didn't um, up at Newcastle yesterday when I watched the race at Ramford Rose Hill. I watched him on the telly, which showing with the sectionals, so I wasn't seeing any sectionals coming up, but. The way the field had broken up, I assumed that they were. Um, see, now they've broken the track record that they were going, you know, maybe a little bit quicker than what I would have liked. But um, you're looking can be a it can be a strength and a weakness going that quick, can you know? But it probably um, in the end, I, I'd, I'd say he just gassed his opposition and and uh, they just had nothing left to chase once it came time to to finish off. Yeah, you, you've got to have the right horse to do it, and basically he ran them ran them off their legs. They were just tired chasing him. We we saw him once here in Brisbane. We, we, we clearly didn't see the best of him that day. I think that was the end of his last campaign at Doomben. Yeah, it was disappointing that day, and it's, it's probably the only bad run of his life. Um, look, I think Sam uh, Sam Clifford rode him on that occasion. He'd never ridden him before, and I I, I think he just went too quick. Um, I, I'm not sure, you know, what section was running on the day. Look, there was also the added fact that I'd travelled him away for the first time. Um, he was coming off the back of a heavy track win. Maybe that had something to do with it. I, I'm, unfortunately, I didn't come away with the answer that day of, as to why he failed because I'd like to avoid it happening again. But because um, Brisbane is certainly a, um, a place, uh, both Brisbane and, and, and Melbourne, a, a place I'd like to campaign this horse in the future because I'm not sure he's going to be up to the best here in Sydney, but he he, he, he could well be um, an ideal sort of carnival horse for, for Brisbane or, or, um, or, as I said, Victoria. Well, that brings me to my next question. That was only his fourth run this campaign, and as you said, he was fit, right and ready to go. Uh, where do you go now? Well, his rating really isn't going to allow me to, to race him at this time of year, um, and I'm probably going to deny myself a chance at something through the autumn if we don't give him a break. So I, I don't like putting horses in the paddock that are going as well. But at the same time, it won't have to be a long break. And, um, yeah, when they're in form like he is, this, this preparation, you're sort of reluctant to spell them. But he's going, there's no reason why he won't come back and and uh, sort of get to this level again. He's basically got better every prep of his life. Um, sort of plateaued there in that last preparation. Maybe didn't seem like he'd improved that much. But this time around, he's, he's definitely a um, definitely a better horse. He obviously won an Everest and three Group Ones this year, Joe. But I got the feeling this uh, race was pretty special to you as well for a number of reasons. And uh, can you elaborate on that? And and also the NXS connection, the musical connection with this horse. Yeah. Just to tell the listeners about that. Yeah. So Chris Murphy bred the horse, and Chris, for those who who, who don't know, was uh, the manager, long time long time manager for NXS, and it would have been an amazing amazing career for him. You know. Um, Back in the the 90s, when I basically uh, late 80s and 90s, one of the biggest bands in the world, and um, yeah, he he travelled the world with them. And um, he, I actually never met Chris in person, but I spoke to him so many times on the phone. And he had a passion he inherited through his father for for breeding and racing horses. And um, he bred this bred this bloke and sent him down to me, and and um, and, and gave him some of the ownership. And he's been a uh, he's, he's been a special horse to me, but also. To, to Brave because Brave looks after him and and um, and uh, he's he's one of those horses who takes a lot of uh, a lot of special care. He's uh, he's got a quirky individual, and um, those horses are often the ones that, that um, their handlers get very close to because um, they basically that's not the only one person can handle them, but you need the same person on them all the time. 
I spoke to you last week, Jay. You, you mentioned you were off to Japan for a family holiday. But, yeah. but as part of that, you're taking in the Japan Cup and watching the Mighty Equinox. When are you leaving? Yes. And how thrilled yeah. are you? And your boy, your boy Brave, he'd be just tickled pink with that, wouldn't he? Yes. Yeah, next Friday we leave and the Cup's um, the Sunday. So, yeah, we've got... Um, um, I've got some um, some some help with that and some some tickets and uh, I can't wait. That horse just looks amazing. Um, so uh, yeah, it's going to be it's, it's the only racing thing we're doing on the on the trip. And I'm only away for I think eight or nine days, but um, I was I sort of lined it up so that I could squeeze the cup in. And um, Japan's an amazing country. They're amazing um, what they've done with breeding, and I'm just yeah, really quite intrigued to, to actually go to their biggest day. I'm, I'm I'm amazed that the times he can run that horse Equinox. He's quite extraordinary. Well, he is he is incredible. He might be the best horse we've seen. So, um, it'll be good to see him in the flesh. They're hard to compare horses of different yeah. eras, but when you watch him win, there's just something quite astonishing about his stride length and how easy he's able to put his opposition away. So, yeah, really looking forward to seeing him. Last one before we let you go. Uh... Everest done and dusted. We we wasn't to be in the giga kick with uh, with private eye and think about it. But uh, have you framed any sort of autumn programs for both of them at this point? Yeah, look, it would be be unlikely to see think about it in Queensland next winter. Um, I think he's going to have a preparation in Sydney. Where we're going to step him up over ground, mm. get him to the Doncaster at least, and at that point. He'd be unlikely to freshen up for you know the the Kings of Smith or, or and, and he'd get too much weight in the Stradbroke. So Private Eye is a good chance of coming up there um, because I'm keen to just race him as much as I can over the next twelve months. He's um he's a horse who spent a little bit of time on the sidelines and um, Queensland definitely suits him. Um, I haven't had him at Doombin yet, but he's a very good horse at Eagle Farm. Um, so he he'd be a very good chance of coming up and running in the. Um, at least the Kings of Smith, maybe the 10,000. Mm. Um, and and I wouldn't rule out a Stradbroke start for him either. Fair enough. Thanks for being with us this morning. No problem. Thanks very much, guys. Joe Pryor joining us, the winning trainer of Cole Crusher, who broke his rival's hearts in the Hunter. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it was interesting talking to Joe last week. He's, um, oh, I love Joe. He calls a spade a spade. They're like Gay Waterhouse, different characters, obviously. But he wears his heart on his sleeve and says what he believes. And I asked him about... Uh, the big boom on Imperatrice after winning all those Group 1s in Melbourne. And he said, look, absolutely no knock on Imperatrice. But he said, you know, I might be biased because it's my horse, but I'm convinced that if Imperatrice had have lined up in the Everest, think about it, would have still beaten us. So it was a really nice um, nice talking point. And whatever side of the fence you're on there, uh, it's good to have someone with strong opinions in racing, I reckon. And it it has been the talking point um, after all, it's been run and won, the, the Everest and Imperatrice's winning romp in Melbourne. That question still remains, doesn't it? What well, would Imperatrice have done in the Everest? People still talk about it. I don't think they're going to meet, ever. The, the, the one race they could perhaps... You just heard Joe Pride there talk about how he's going to step, think about it up in distance. The one race I think there is a potential for them to meet would be the Canterbury Stakes because mm. uh, I think uh, think about it will go there, but whether Imperatrice does or not, that's another story. Let's go to the black type race at Newcastle yesterday, the spring stakes at Group 3 level. Here's the replay. Off the bridle before the turn was Ma Ali, then came Metallic Ruler Genzano. They spin around the home turn in the New Zealand Bloodstock Spring Stakes. 4.25 to run. Front runner is Invincible Spy, but he's under pressure and Kintai's all over him. Kintai hits the lead now, just in time, held up. Genzano working into the clear. Then Sly Boots, kind words, jurisprudence down the outside with Metallic Ruler. VS wide out. Genzano's hit the lead now from Kintai. 1.50 to go. Sly Boots trying hard. Genzano, the leader from Sly Boots, and it's the filly, Genzano, three on the line. She wins the spring stakes from a photo. Kind words, diving through, lunging at Sly Boots. Kintyre's there as well. Then Uncle Harry, jurisprudence, metallic ruler, followed in by Viest, Ma Ali, until Valhalla. Invincible Spy did too much work, just in time behind those, and influential. He was in a bad mood, and he raced wide and dropped out. Yes, Genzano's a lightly raced filly. That was only her fourth, a fifth start yesterday, and her third win. She'd come out of a scone maiden three runs ago, went to a, a three-year-old class one at Newcastle, then graduated to black type yesterday. Zach Lloyd riding for Paul Massara. Yeah, there's an incredible connection in this race. So Leah Gavinrick now trains, co-trains with Paul uh, Massara. So Leah um, used to be the strapper for the great Hortensia. Mm. Now, this horse, Genzano, is actually Hortensia's granddaughter. 
And this horse went out wearing Hortensia's head collar, believe it or not. So there's a real quirky little uh, connection there. Obviously, uh, Paul Massara's been there and done that, but uh, for his new co-trainer, a, a major moment there. Yeah, certainly was. Zach Lloyd, the rider, as we go to the break here on Past the Post, let's have a listen to the staying race yesterday, the Beaufort, and Lloyd came up trumps here as well on Stroke of Luck. Inside the 450, Canberra Legend trying to outstay them. Led by one dark dream, Numerian tight for room, the inside of Youth Spirit. Baby Rider, Stroke of Lux running on. So is Torrens, Andalus further back, 200 metres to go. Stroke of Lux hit the lead now, he moves up to dark dream. Torrens boxing away, then Baby Rider. Inside the last 150, Stroke of Luck is the leader from Torrens who's closing. Stroke of Luck a length, Torrens getting closer all of the time. Stroke of Luck digging in now, and Stroke of luck wins the Beaufort by half a length on Torrens. Third in, that goes to Skylab. Fourth, a photo. Parry Sound is there. So too is Baby Rider, Dark Dream, Andalus, New Merian. Further back was Olympic Gaze, Canberra Legend, Tapple Doodle Doo. You're listening to Radio Tab's Past the Post with David Fowler and Ben Dorries. Thanks for your company on Past the Post, brought to you by Archer Park Racing, the website archerparkracing.com.au. Well, the summer carnival began at the Sunshine Coast yesterday under fine skies. It was an excellent program. We're going to have a listen to some of the features. And the first one we're going to listen to is this very good sprint, the Swiss Ace Plate. And the favourite was, in the end, in the end, Zoo Style was favourite just over Prince of Boone. A length and a half away, King Klaus, and also right up there, Prince of Boom, the outside. Zoo style three and four, White Osamu, the rail. Natulno shooting for goal, the big goodbye. Windside, you'll be missed in D4. F trip at the 350. Uh, Summers in front, second King Klaus up into third. Zerstal down the outside, running home. Natulno coming through, squeezing through his windside, shooting for goal down the outside. But Natulno taking over with 100 metres left to go. Shooting for goal, trying hard, rattling home late as F troop. But Natulno, Natulno's won it from either shooting for goal or F troop. Close up the big goodbye, Legal Esprit. Windside Zerstal picked on the run, then D. Poor Osamu. Situation room. You'll be missed in King Klaus and Prince of Boom. I'm afraid has pulled up short at the rear. Prince of Boom's pulled up short at the rear. Yes, he had cardiac arrhythmia, so he'll uh, have to trial. But uh, Natuno came up trumps. $19 chance. Ben Thompson riding for our Premier trainer, Tony Gollan, who joins us now. Tony, good morning. Yeah, good morning, guys. Well, this horse is tended to be off the radar, I suppose. Uh, I suppose the fact he started $19, you would never have thought of that in, in previous campaigns. Just take us through the, 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 the tale with Natuno. Started off with a bang, where we thought, you know, next best thing since sliced bread. What happened then? He went to Sydney then, and we ran him in the Sandy Mini Car. As you guys know, there's a pretty good run there. And how was that really wet? Wet, um, sorry, it's a bit windy where I am. It's, it's very wet, wet spring. So things weren't going well, you know, wide draws. And he was a horse that was just, he was just suffering a little bit come race day. He was just getting a bit anxious with things, and things just weren't working out. So he ran in the Coolmore. It was pretty disappointing. Give him a break, brought him back to the autumn. He drew wide again in Sydney, and nothing went right. He came back to back off to go to Brisbane. We had a slight wrench of a hind fetlock. It was nothing major, but we just decided to... His whole head, nothing was working with him. He wasn't flying in the right direction. I spoke to the owners. They allowed me just to put him in the back paddock at Embrook with a couple of other horses, spell him in a herd, and give him a good 10, 12-week break, give him plenty of time off, and give us a real slow build-up with him. Now, this wasn't a group race, a group one race, a Magic Millions. It was a Swiss ace plate, but I reckon it was one of the most satisfying wins for you for the year, given this guy as a colt cost 500, no small change. Uh, you've been through the ringer and back with him after the race. I reckon it was uh, happy times for you, wasn't it? Yeah, look, he's been because he's just been so tricky, that's why he's just been hard work. The horse, he, he, he's a stallion. There's been many times we thought about gelding him, etc., etc., with him, but we kept him intact. And even in the last spell, I just didn't know if I was really doing the right thing. He's such a kind horse around the yard. In the stables, you can do anything, anything with him. Just when he gets in amongst other horses on the track, he gets himself so worked up. So there's been plenty of times where I thought possibly should have gelded him, etc. But we left him at Colton. We just this was the last sort of throw of the dice, just trying something completely different with him. Nothing in the prep has gone. It's 
gone smoothish. But as you would have saw, I said, mentioned yesterday, every jump out and trial, I put different gear on him. He's never trialed or jumped out in the same gear. So he's still been, I've still been sort of working out what I want to do with him, and he's still working out what he wants to do with me, I'm sure. So it's been a real push and pull with him, and it was just very satisfying to see the, the real horse show his potential yesterday. So what path do you plot with him now? Yeah, that's a good question, actually. I'm not sure we could go to the 1,200, the George Moore in a few weeks. Um, he'd have to draw well, I'd say, in that, or I could even run him in the bribey again, really. Mm. Just a matter of him just relaxing and, and learning to come off the bridle mid-race. Even on the corner yesterday, he just wanted to get his head up a little bit, just for, for three or four strides. So I think it's still impl- important just how I place him and just barriers, you know, in our summer carnival. Like yesterday was was on display for sure. Good gates were just vitally important yesterday. He also had to get that right run, and that, that'll probably hold most of the way throughout the carnival. So there, there's good options for him, whether I go to 1,200 or keep him at 1,000. I'm not sure. I obviously want to get the Magic Beans Day with him, which is a while away. That's just how I get there. Uh, a few of your um, narrowly beaten brigade yesterday, Tony. Barbie's sister, obviously, um, you know, the, the relation to Outback Barbie, she started $1.70 in the two-year-old race, ran well, yeah. was just nabbed in the final strides. The Chris Munts horse that, that beat her looks a, a pretty handy horse. What did you make of that race and, and her effort? Yeah, I thought she was pretty good. I mean, yeah, I don't know whether Angel would be better off coming back and letting the one of the Mashani's go or whether we just stayed where we were. She obviously changed stride and got past it pretty early on, really, and she was just wobbling around in the middle of the track. It's a, it's a dawning track up there if you're so far off that rail for two-year-olds. You know, I'd imagine we'd all agree, I think if she crossed and found the fence or had it been closer to that fence, I, I doubt the winner would have beat her, to be perfectly honest. I think it, I know it got back a long way, but it was able to get up that inside and just, for two-year-olds, just having a rail to follow or be close to that rail, it's just a huge advantage. When they're left on their own, wobbling around in the middle of the, middle of the track, it's, it's awfully hard for them. I think she just got very lost. And Freedom Rally, probably the barrier, obviously, in the way the track was playing yeah. on the day, just didn't help there. Yeah, I think horses like him and Deer Trail, those sort of horses, you know, F Troop, even in the big sprint, you know, the horses that got back yesterday and had to sort of come wide, particularly, you normally go to Sunshine Coast and getting back coming wide into that crown's where you want to be, but this meeting historically is not like that. You obviously get a lot of dry ground and you know, three off the fence was as good as where you needed to be yesterday. And these horses got back and had to come round fields. Unless there was obscene tempo on, it was just awfully hard to make up ground. And that's good for summer racing. That's just how, how the tracks play. So I was awfully happy with Fred and Rally's effort. I think if we can draw a gate in the gateway with him, he's well on target, on target for 1,400. Standing order was good for you. Look, I, I didn't go yesterday. and I, I'll put my hand up. I didn't do the form for the meeting, but I was surprised to see Rising Pacific so far back in a, in a race where there looked to be no tempo. Yeah, there did look to be no tempo. I just didn't know how that race was going to play. And you'd know watching David, he's a real, been a real work in progress sort of horse. He's a horse that can get pulling. And even the other day when Damien won on him at, at Doom and when there was a bit of interference in front of him, he was back worse than midfield that day. And there was a bit of shuffling around. He got posted three wide. And then all of a sudden, he had to just go with the horse. He's no real choice because he's been that sort of animal. Yesterday, our intentions were to land wherever we could, not knowing how they were going to roll inside of us. They actually went along for the first furlong in that race, for the first furlong in a bit. Once they established their spots, then they took hold. And we were only going to be three wide, midfield or, or closer. But we would have been pulling our, our head off. So he, we come back, got cover. He actually switched down, and obviously the way the tempo is back down mid-race, which it always could have in that race, you know, played his part and he got beat. But I think if you go back to a couple of starts, go where he actually drew a good gate. If he drew a good gate yesterday, mm. he would have got that same run, fourth or fifth, just behind them, relaxed nice, and when one one is one one as he would have liked to. But you know, yesterday wasn't that wasn't that case. Now, Tone, I know you've been asked a lot of searching um, questions in your career. <laughs> I've got a big one for you. Uh, the biggest question of the week, I reckon. Uh, there were some photos getting around on, on social media of, <laughs> of you in a Batman mask. A Batman mask, oh, if you don't mind. What's doing? I didn't have a Batman mask on. That's just um, some fancy emojis put over my head, like the Batman <laughs> thing at Movie World with the kids. So that was, I certainly wasn't dressed as Batman. Is there any um, truth any truth to the rumour you're too scared to go on the rides? Oh, thank God the storms come and shut the rides down. That's all I can say. I'm not much of a ride man. I've got a bit of a squirmish stomach when it comes to rides and up and down quickly. Me too. Thanks for joining us this morning. One thing before you go, I'm going to make a prediction this morning on the 19th of November. I've put uh, all the data through the, the systems that I do, and I'll make the prediction today that come the end of the racing season you will again better your 
best of 140 and a half winners that you achieved last time. This season, you will train 160 <laughs> winners. Oh, it's oh, look, that's Metropolitan winners. Yes. Oh, gee, Dave, I'm just happy to break the 100. We've still only got 90 boxes at Eagle Farm, so... Anytime we get over the 100, it's more than a Metro winner a box. I think that's a good effort for our team, but I don't put the mocker on me. The, 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 I'm not putting any mocker on you. I'm just telling you. <laughs> Take it for what it's well, worth. Well, you spurred me into reality. Well, you spurred me into reality a couple of seasons ago when I had a bit of an off an off year. I didn't actually get the 100 and had a few other stables you know, really knocking on our door to, to knock us off our perch, and we, we fired up last season. And we're having a, a really good run again this year, but you know, I don't know. We don't take it for granted. A lot more hard work to be done for the end of the season. Buy me a nice bottle of red wine if you hit to 160. Surely you'll do that for me. Well, I think I will because you definitely spurred me into, into, <laughs> into action a couple of years ago at that, at that lunch we had. Good on you, mate. Talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Have a great Sunday. There is Tony Gollan joining us, and uh, he will uh, well, he'll be the premier trainer again, but he'll get more than 140 and a half. Yeah, I'm convinced he was wearing a Batman mask too. Go and have a look at social media. That, I'll that have is, a look at it at the end of the show. That is a Batman mask. Let's, uh, let's continue on, and let's go to the other feature yesterday, the Tab Malula Bar Cup over the mile. At the 400 metres marker, the outside jetty just in front. The inside is Manazzi looming up as Ocean Treaty. Uh, Night Choice in behind those, looking for the way clear. Shibley is also coming through. One from the outside, June 45 runs home. Headless stay down the outside. Jetty just in front. June 45 finishing strongly. Jetty and June 45. June 45 gets up the win by a neck. From Jetty, photo third, head of state, night choice, Ocean Treaty, close up. Gave us up, great house, followed further back by Mississippi, Prince Star and Michelin. And then Shibli, Manazzi and set me up at the rear. A good competitive race, but Dune 45, second up, was able to win. Boris Thornton riding for the Rob Heathcote stable, and they are going great guns at the moment. Neville Bell is the owner of Dune 45. He's with us online now. Neville, good morning. Good morning, gents. Congratulations. Uh, this horse always runs well first up, and he ran well first up a couple of weeks ago. You told me after that race you were setting, uh, or the stable was setting him for the Malula Bar Cup. It's great when a plan can come off. It is. Uh, it, it was a, a real thrill for me yesterday. And, look, I've got to give a shout-out to the boys up there at, at the coast, the Sunshine Coast Turf Club, um, Johnny Miller and Murray Weeding. They just do a great job with their team. That that. An amazing club up there now, and and Peter Boyce uh, and his team at the at the board level. And um, you know, I've proudly been a member up there since 1985, so almost 40 years I've been a member up there, and I just love that club. They just do a a really great job, and um, and it was just great to win um, a feature race uh, at that track. Did you get any, uh, I mean, most uh, owners obviously get the, the pre, pre-race voicemail or email or something. Rob Heathcote's obviously playing golf in Mexico. Did you get a, a video message from him on a golf course or anything like that? <laughs> I, I got some, uh, some uh, shots of, uh, of um, Rob over there at the golf course that he sent me uh, that had in the background the armed guards walking around and uh, on the, on the uh, Jeep. So I think I think he decided that there was better places in the world to play golf than where he was, and he's moved on to Las Vegas. But certainly, the, he's got a great team there. I just love having horses with the, the Heathcote stable. They, they uh, communicate so well, and, and Mel and Leah there uh, have done, done a great job. And um, they rang me earlier in the week about Boris uh, not being able to make the 55 when there was a couple of high-rated horses uh, nominated. And uh, look, I was happy to to give Boris the benefit of riding at 55 and a half. Um, I'd like to stay loyal to these guys that come in and ride the work. And um, and he rode him so well in his first run, and um, and he worked hard to get down to the 55 and a half. And and I was just so happy for him and for us, of course, to get the result on the day. And the extra thrill with this win, of course, you bred June 45. I, I did, yes, yes. So, um, ever since uh, the the glory days with Sky Heights back in in the you know the late nineties and early two thousands, I've I've just loved having you know stays. I'd love to breed breed them, and it's a so you've got to be very patient, and it's a long long road. Um, and this horse, he's a really big, strong, powerful horse, but we've had to bring him along 
slowly in the early days. Tony Hayden did a lot of work with him to get him to the point of winning um, some races and getting, you know, race tuned, getting his craft for racing, you know, tuned. But he has been a, a work in progress. But I was really pleased yesterday. You know, he plan went out the door uh, when they jumped, and, and he jumped so well. Mm. I think that big, long back straight just fired up a lot of the horses with the pattern of the day appearing to be that you had to be up there in the first half, and that wasn't our original plan. But Boris let the horse ride along, and I love the confidence that Boris is riding with at the moment. And when he tried, when he is the horse, I had my heart in my mouth for about 30, 40 metres when he got his head up a couple of times, but then... He settled beautifully, you know, midfield, one off the rails, and and Boris just delivered from then. Time's beaten us. One question before you go. Where's his next start? Yeah, we. I was talking to Rob last night, and um, he had a long break, so I'm conscious of not stepping him up, or we're conscious of not stepping him up too quickly. So there's a... Uh, there's a six, another 1,600-metre race in two weeks' time, uh, the tail, the listed race. Mm. So I think we'll... Uh, We'll, that'll be uh, plan A is to, to head for that before we step him up in distance. Good work. Congratulations to you, Mary. Uh, good job yesterday. Thank you. Thanks, Jens. Neville Bell joining us, uh, owner of June 45. I want to have a listen to this two-year-old race now, which we touched on with Tony Gollan, and Tony had the short price favourite, Barbie's sister. In front, the inside is Mashani Lily. Second, the outside at the 500 metres marker. It's the race favourite, Barbie's sister. Up into third, cutting edge. And fourth, the outside, Joy of Plenty. And they're well clear from Age of Aquarius. Over on the outside of Pirata's Gem at the 350. Mashani Lily's in front, looming up as Barbie's sister. The outside, they're well clear by four lengths and third, cutting edge. And making ground down the outside is Mashani Express. But now knuckling down, Barbie's sister has taken over. Mashani Lily can't go with her. Latest poster girl, she's finishing strongly. Barbie's sister in front, lunging the inside. Poster girl and gets up. Poster girl's won from Barbie's sister. Third was Mashani Express, followed by Pirata's Gem. And then Mashani Hercules and under the shadow, trailed over by Age of Aquarius and Cutting Edge. Uh, Mashani Lily hit the brick wall and Joy of Plenty's pulled up at the rear. This is the strongest two-year-old so far this season here in southeast Queensland. Chris Munn's training poster girl. Amazingly, we've had 11 two-year-old races, uh, metropolitan provincial-wise. Les Ross and Chris Munz have won all of them. Quite amazing. Yeah, an amazing call by you too, David, off air before. You said um, she's so good, this girl. She win the Magic Millions, the, no, the Golden Slipper. No, I didn't uh, say that. She, you know, probably the Coolmore well, next no, season. I, um, what I did say was this. Well, you a, said that, It's you? a very strong form race, and I'll tell you one thing. Uh, initially, I was a bit tough on Barbie's sister yesterday, but looking at a few things, uh, her run was very, very good. Uh, poster girl was a little better on the day, as Tony Gollum pointed out, finding the rail, and uh, there was Barbie's sister left in front of Fairway from home, out four or five away from the rail. Poster girl sectional is very good, 33-26-22-27, times don't lie, she's a Magic Millions graduate, but they paid 160k for her, by Alabama Express, who's making a great impression with his first crop. That was the highlights from Racing of the Sunshine Coast yesterday. Ben, thank you for your time. You'll join me tomorrow? Yeah, on uh, Press Room as usual, David. Looking forward to it. Enjoy your day, folks. We'll talk soon.